0: and uh, endeavour to look into that particular passage of scripture in any detail this morning. But if you go away and study it closely, you will find it's a glorious declaration of the gospel. It's a glorious declaration of the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he would come. But I love what it says, the Lord God, in verse 68, it says, he has visited, he has visited He visits his people and he has redeemed us. The light has shone in the darkness as John begins his gospel telling us. He's visited us. He comes and he visits us. It's my prayer that he might visit with all of us today, that he might visit with you particularly today. We we are here in John's Gospel with John declaring his record. Verse 19 begins, this is the record of John. That word record is the word testimony and it's the word And in the Greek. It's the word martyr. John, as you'll remember, died for his declaration of who the Lord Jesus Christ is. He died at the hands of Herod. It's the record of John. Verse 32 and John bear record, saying, In verse 34, and I saw and bear record. So let's just read from verse 19 down to verse 34 in John's Gospel. And it's good if the Lord would allow us to keep in mind some of the things that we read in Luke chapter 1. Verse 19 of John's Gospel, chapter 1. This is the record of John. When the Jews sent priests to the Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Art thou Elias? And he saith, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, No. Then said they unto him, Who art thou? That we may give an answer to them that sent us. What sayest thou of thyself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. And they which were sent were of the Pharisees. And they asked him and said unto him, Why baptisest thou then, if thou be not that Christ, nor Elias, neither that prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptise with water, but there standeth one among you whom you know not, He it is, who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoe latchet I am not worthy to unloose. These things were done in Betharborah, beyond Jordan, where John was baptising. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after, he, after me cometh the man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptising with water. And John May records saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and a abode on him. I, and I knew it not. But he that sent me to baptise with water, the same said unto me, upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptises with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. (laughs) glorious way he begins where all gospel preaching begins he begins where all the word of God begins in the beginning God in the beginning was the word but the word is revealed by God's servants the word is revealed by those who bear testimony of it and that has always been the case the Lord Jesus Christ is revealed but before he is revealed to all Israel, he's revealed in a particular and extraordinary way to John. You know the story, he was revealed to John and baptised by John in the Jordan then immediately went away into the, de- the desert. And I'm sure that when John says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, it's when the Lord Jesus has returned because John had kept on baptising. But I want us um, this morning to to think about what it is to be a witness. See, John is declared by God to be a man sent from God. We know his history from chapter 1 and we know the Lord's testimony of him. So we have absolutely no doubt about John the Baptist being the Lord's servant and the Lord's witness. He bears testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in, in many ways, John is a pattern for us. He's a pattern for us of gospel preaching. He's a pattern for us of what it is for us to bear witness to the Lord Jesus Christ. And surely what burns in the hearts of all God's people is that we will just see Jesus and we will bear witness to him. That is the greatest need of everyone ever heaven, isn't it? That they will hear of the Lord Jesus Christ. They will hear that we would bear witness by our lives, but mostly, as all of God's witnesses do, they bear witness by what they testify of the Lord Jesus Christ. So in this passage of scripture before us, we have a description of John the Baptist's ministry, and it's very, very educational and very, very helpful. I trust the Lord not give us insight into it. I want us to have a look in the first section of our time together, looking at what it is that John was to be a witness. How did John become to be a witness? We know that he was filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. We know that when Mary arrived with the Lord Jesus in her womb, John the Baptist leapt for joy when he heard. We know the remarkable life that he had in testifying. and We know the way he lived but also in this passage of scripture, we have a description of John's witness and what it is to be a witness. What it is to be someone who stands before other people and tells the truth about who God is. We're going to see number twenty-eight. And then can't this. <laughs> For me, the spotless Lamb agreed His Father's wrath to bear. For me, His precious blood is shed. My guilty soul to spare. <laughs> Is it too hot in here rather other people? It's not. It's just me. will get some more water. It is the gospel in a few words, isn't it, when the Lord said to the people of Israel, to Moses, he says, when I see the blood, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. It's what God sees. It's what God sees. They were inside the house. And I'm sure some of them on that day had lived in terrible wickedness. And as they shut the door that evening, they must have been wondering what on earth all this means, and some of them are there in extraordinary faith. And what does God say? He says, when I see the blood, I'll pass over. I'll pass over you. The wrath of God will fall and be absorbed by the blood of the Lamb. No wonder John wants to declare again and again, and he does twice in this opening chapter of John's Gospel. He says, Behold, behold the Lamb of God. If you see the Lamb of God? By the power of the Spirit of God, you'll be held by Him. And then you'll be held. That's what Gospel preaching is all about. And so... Let's just go quickly through some of these opening verses. And this is the record, verse 19, of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? And he confessed and he denied not, but confessed. He says, I'm not the Christ. What could he have said to that question? Who art thou? He could have said, I'm the miraculously born child of promise. He could have said the father great Gabriel, the angel Gabriel came to my father. He could have said that my mother was way past childbearing age. I'm a miracle child, I'm a miracle child. Like Isaac, like Hannes, Samuel, I'm a miracle child. He could have said, he could have said all sorts of remarkable things about who he was. And yet, what does he say? He says, I'm not the Christ. I'm not the Christ. I'm here as a witness to the Christ. I'm not Christ. I'm not the Elijah. They are expecting the Elijah to come. Verse 21, <coughs> what then, art thou, Elias? They thought that Elijah was coming back. And he says, I'm not. Are you the prophet? You can read about the prophet in, De- in Deuteronomy chapter 18. There was a prophet to come, like Moses. A prophet who would speak the words of God. And he says, no. And then they asked him again, who are you? Who do you think you are, John? Who do you think you are? You claim to speak for God, yet we don't know you. You claim to speak with God's authority, and we, the relig- religious elite of Jerusalem, don't know about you. We who sit in Moses' seat don't know who you are. And I love what he goes on to say in verse 23 he says, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. If you turn back to Isaiah chapter 40, just want you to see what is remarkable in Isaiah 40. We often read Isaiah 40, verse 1. And so often we miss the extraordinary context of it. Isaiah 41 is the command of all of God's people, isn't it? Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith the Lord. Speak comfortably to Jerusalem, and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. But the remarkable thing. Is that the previous chapter, the chapter 39, is about the fact that they are going to go into Babylonian captivity for 70 years. And Hezekiah's foolishness he showed them everything that was in Jerusalem. And the prophet says, Well, it's all going to be taken away. And then we have that word of comfort to the people of God, and the voice of him, and then verse 3. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken make straight, make straight the way of the Lord. Make straight. What a great command to God's servants. Make straight. We begin our messages by going to the Lord Jesus Christ. We make straight to him. We go straight to the cross of Calvary. We go straight to the the Lamb of God. The slain land of God. We go there straight all the time. And the mountains and the hills and all the other things, we want them out of the way. It's a reference in some sense to the cities of refuge. You know the cities of refuge in the days of Jerusalem. Israel. There were three on either side of the Jordan River. And the people in those cities of Refuge had an obligation to keep the way straight and at every crossroad, at every junction there was to be a sign saying, Refuge, 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 and the manslayer, the one who may well have been very guilty could rush to the city of Refuge and there find safety. We want to make straight the way of the Lord. We want the things, the mountains and the hills, to be made lower. We don't want to make crooked places. We don't want to make it a twisty way. And John the Baptist not only speaks as Isaiah told him to speak, but also he actually does it himself, doesn't he? Who art thou? Who do you claim to be? The other thing that is really good to note, isn't it, that in the days. Of the Lord Jesus Christ in the days of John the Baptist. Where did you go to hear a word from God? Where did you go to hear a word from God? The one place where you didn't hear a word from God was in Jerusalem. You didn't hear a word from God in that place. Like the eunuch who came to Jerusalem in John chapter in Acts chapter 8. He came to Jerusalem spent that time in Jerusalem, no doubt for those two feasts that are nearby each other in time. And when he left Jerusalem, he was as ignorant as he was when he came. But he got something in Jerusalem. He got something very precious in Jerusalem. He got a copy of the Word of God. And Philip is sent to him. And the eunuch, a man who had every reason to be proud in the world's eyes, is asked, What are you reading? Do you understand it? And he says, I can't. I can't understand it unless a man showed me. Jerusalem was an empty shell of religion in those days. The voice of God is to be heard in the wilderness. The voice is heard and not seen. God's servants. Like John the Baptist, they seek no glory for themselves. And they seek no acclaim for themselves. They are just servants. A voice. You hear a voice. You can hear a voice without seeing the person. That's what John says in John, John the Baptist says in John chapter three, doesn't he? He said, He must increase. And I must decrease. The voice cried The voice cried in the wilderness. There was no place for John in the religion of his day. And John didn't want a place in the religion of that day. He was the voice crying in the wilderness. You go on and read in Isaiah chapter forty, you'll read but the voice is to cry. And the voice said cry and he said, What shall I cry? And then he says all flesh is grass. Which is exactly the way that John the Baptist treated the Pharisees who came to him all flesh is grass. you don 't know who he is. you could write treatises on the Messiah and the Christ of God. You could give us all sorts of theological discussions about who God is and the character of God, and God stood before you you know who he was. you knew him not, you knew him not the darkness doesn 't see him. All flesh is grass, and the goodliness, says Isaiah, the goodliness thereof is of the flower of the field. The grass withereth, and the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, and the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. I want us to have a look at what... Led John to bear witness. He was a man full of the Spirit, but even a man full of the Spirit needed to see something. I want to take a look at some of the things that John saw. And I want us to look at it in terms of how we can tell whether the person speaking to us so is speaking to from God. He says, John bears witness because he saw. He saw. Look at down at verse thirty-four. I saw. Verse thirty-two. I saw the Spirit descending on him. It's one of the glorious things about our scriptures, aren't they? That they are grounded in historic facts and realities. He sees the sun coming. Verse twenty-nine. John sees. Jesus coming unto him. He saw and he bare a Firstly, if someone is going to speak on God's behalf, God must come to them. God must come and reveal himself to people. Otherwise, you will never see him. Countless multitudes saw the Lord Jesus Christ in the flesh. They saw things that no other man had ever seen on this earth before. Countless multitudes. Even these Pharisees, they came to examine it. In some sense, there's some some wisdom in what they did, that someone speaks to God needs to be examined. You are commanded of God to test the spirits. You're commanded of God to test them, 1 John chapter 4. And yet... (laughs) the Lord Jesus Christ is only known by revelation and it's a humbling thing to the proud hearts of men who think they are something more than grass but the Lord Jesus Christ is known only by revelation he's only known as he causes himself to be made manifest in the preaching of the gospel so even John Look down, me. even John, who was filled with the Holy Spirit, says in verse 31, and I knew him not. He'd known him as his cousin for 30 years. And he says, I knew him not, verse 33, and I knew him not. How did John the Baptist come to know that this cousin of his was actually the Messiah? How did he come to know that this was God with us? This was Emmanuel. He came to see him because the Lord Jesus came to him. Because the Lord Jesus was witness to be who he was. Verse 33, he says, I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptise the water, God the Father, sent me to baptise the water. The same said unto me, he had a word from God, upon, upon him thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him. The same is he which baptises with the Holy Ghost. He, John, to bear witness to the Lord Jesus Christ, needed a special manifestation from God. Now God's children in this world, those baptised with the Holy Spirit, will see him through the eyes of faith. We see him and adore him as he gives us a new heart to love him, to live for him to gaze upon him. We see him with the eyes of faith. No one in this world has seen the Lord Jesus Christ in any physical way without them having been deceived. We see him through those eyes. That our hearts says, Paul in Ephesians chapter 1. John saw him because he came to him. The Lord Jesus Christ is seen in this world because he comes to people and visits with them. And you'll know him not. You'll know him not until he comes. John has this record. You can't witness to something you haven't seen. You can't bear record to something that you haven't been a witness to. And that's what it means. And how did John see him? He saw him, didn't he? He saw him as a lamb. He says, Behold, verse 29, behold the Lamb of God. I've beheld him as a lamb of God, and I'm going to declare him to you as a lamb of God. If you're going to see him to bear witness to him, you'll behold him as a lamb. Behold him as a slain lamb. You'll see him as a lamb, a substitute and a redeemer. You'll see him foretold in all. The Old Testament prophets from Genesis on through all the scriptures have this one message, don't they? Jesus Christ and him crucified. As Peter says the sufferings of Christ and the glory that shall follow. Glorified, slain lamb. To him give all the prophets witness. That whosoever believeth in him shall receive the remission of sins. He saw him as the promised redeemer. He says, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. You see, when you see him as a lamb, and you see him because he's come to you, you always see him as successful. Notice what he says. He doesn't say he tries to take away the sins of the world. He doesn't say I make an offering to take away the sins of the world. He actually takes away the sins of the world. We don't have time this morning to look into it in great detail, the reality is that the word world is an extraordinarily misunderstood phrase in all of the scriptures and it's not for nothing that God has written his book so that if people want to see the world as all of humanity together in total then they can do so. But that's not how the scriptures use that word world in John chapter 1 verse 12. He was in the world. And the world was made by him. And the world knew him not. He has in one verse three descriptions of the word world. If people think the word world and the word all is a description of the Lord Jesus Christ dying for all of humanity, then the word of God doesn't give you any encouragement whatsoever. There's a verse in Luke chapter 1 where it says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augusta that all the world should be taxed. There you are, you all and the world should be taxed. Have you got your receipt from Caesar, John? If all the world is all of humanity, that means the Eskimos and the Aboriginals and the inhabitants of South America all taxed. They weren't. It's all it's all without meaning, what people think it means. He didn't and also that verse says, doesn't it? He taketh away. If your sins are taken away, then you are saved. And the reality is as we see in all the gospel accounts these Jews who came to the Lord Jesus Christ they will not submit to the baptism of John and they will go on and as John's Gospel unfolds these men become more and more and more enraged against the Lord Jesus Christ and he says to them in John chapter 8, children of the devil and he says unless you believe that I am will die in your sins the most frightening of the most frightening sentences in one scripture, you'll die in your sins. May God cause us to see that when the Lord Jesus Christ takes away, how did he take them away? How did he take them away? By the sacrifice of himself on Calvary's tree, by bearing the wrath of God. He took them away by satisfying the justice of God. He took them away in such a way that every single attribute of God is magnified and you taking them away. He didn't try and take them away. God doesn't try and do anything. God is God. So John saw him because he came to him. John saw him as a lamb of God. That lamb that was slain in the garden, that lamb that Abel brought, the lamb that was on the ark, the lamb that was the substitute for Isaac on Mount Moriah, the lamb that was typified in every single sacrifice of all those lambs throughout all of our Jewish history, this is the lamb. This is the lamb. He's finally come. He's finally come. The blood of bulls and goats can't take away sin, but the blood of this lamb takes away. He takes them away. By mercy and truth is iniquity purged. He was made flesh, says John. He's made of a woman and he's made under the law. But he could be, as our substitute and our representative, one who lived perfectly before God's law and wove a robe of righteousness for all of his people. And on Calvary's tree, he was that perfect, perfect sacrifice for sins. He takes them away because they were his They were made to be his by God the Father. And when he suffered on that cross and his precious blood was shed, and he cried, it is finished. The justice of God is perfectly satisfied. The very righteous character of God demands the absolute salvation of all for whom the Lord Jesus Christ died. He died for all their sins. Did he die for unbelief? He did, didn't he? Should we repent? Did he die for our lack of repentance? Should we love God with all of our hearts, all of our souls, all of our minds, all of our strength? Should we love him? from our hearts, and should we love our neighbours as ourselves? He did it, brothers and sisters in Christ. He did it perfectly and completely. And he cried, it is finished. The debt has been paid. All that God's children owe to God's justice and his holiness and his law is God. See, if you see him, if you're going to bear witness to him, he must come and reveal himself to you. If he comes and reveals himself to you, he'll reveal himself as a lamb, a slain lamb, a slain lamb to take away the sins of the world, to redeem a people, to buy them back. That's what it is to redeem, isn't it? He paid a price to have them back. That's what it is to ransom them, isn't it? He didn't try and ransom them, he ransomed them all. Which is why, which is why when he comes and makes himself manifest to his witnesses, you'll see him as a lamb. You'll want to talk about the Lord Jesus Christ being crucified all the time. You will want every conversation to go as quickly as possible to the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. That your words in a sense might be baptized by the blood of him. That's what Paul says, isn't he? He went to the Galatians and said, "Christ Jesus was evidently set forth crucified among you." That was his ministry, wasn't he? In First Corinthians chapter two, he said, "I determined; I made it my determination to know nothing among you but Jesus Christ and Him crucified." He said, "Saw Him set forth." as God's propitiation for sin. That's the Lamb. He said it saw him as a Saviour. He saw him as a successful redeemer of him, of all of his people. I love what Romans 3 says, isn't it? Being justified freely by his grace. You're not freely means? It means without cause, the cause for your justification before God, the cause for you to have no sin before God is free. It's not because of something you do, it's because of his work entirely. That's what he says, justified freely. To be justified is to have no sin in God's court and to have never sinned in God's court because all the sins of all of God's people were imputed to and were the Lord Jesus Christ in reality because of his suretyship. Sure- he took on full responsibility for all of God's people before the foundation of the world. We want to, Every time we say that, we want to say as quickly as possible, let no one ever hear us and think that we're ever saying that the Lord Jesus Christ ever sinned. He never did sin, but God says he made him sin and he made him a curse you'll see him and you'll declare him because he's manifest God set forth in his flesh God set him forth right back to Romans 3.25 God set him forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins of the past through the fair forbearance of God to declare, See, John is declaring, and we tr- trust the Lord would cause us to be declaring as well, to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in the Lord Jesus Christ. So John saw him. And that's why he's bearing witness, isn't he? He saw him coming. He saw him coming, he's been coming since eternity. He says, behold, he says, I'm coming. That's have revelation begins, doesn't it? He says, I'm on my way back, I'm coming. Just as he came at that time, unexpectedly, in a remarkable way, he's coming, he's coming. It's a great hope of God's children, isn't it? He's been coming since eternity. He's been coming since the creation of the world. He says, lo, I come, Hebrews 10, it's written in the volume of the book. John sees the Holy Spirit descending and abiding on him. John sees a trinity. John sees God the Father. He He's God the Father speaking. God, John sees the Holy Spirit descending as a dove upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And he sees him abiding on him. He sees him remaining on him. It's a lovely picture, isn't it, of the work of the Holy Spirit to come down from heaven and to abide on the Lord Jesus Christ. So you won't see the dove without seeing the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the work of the dove, isn't it? John 16, he says you will take of mine and he'll reveal it to you. you will take the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, the glory of his work as the lamb, and he'll reveal it to you. That's exactly what this spirit does, doesn't he? He comes and he abides in him. You can't see the dove until you see the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can't see the Lord Jesus Christ apart from seeing him as the lamb slain. God manifest in the flesh. The true servant sees the lamb because the lamb comes to him. The true servant is going to be what he's seen. I've seen him slain. I've seen my sins laid on him by God the Father. I've seen him in promise and in covenant and in glory, magnifying the law of God and making it honourable magnifying the law of God may by taking my sins and honouring God's character by bearing them upon himself. So John like all people sent to God. He saw Therefore he didn't have an agenda. He had Christ's agenda. John wasn't trying to build a reputation. He was there in all of his answers, doesn't he? He just says, this is who he doing. He's going to baptise people with the Holy Spirit. He's going to immerse them in the Holy Spirit. He's going to regenerate his people. We are as God's witnesses servants of the servant of God. He makes us faithful. The one thing that matters, the one thing that is necessary in a witness is that he's faithful. He just says who this is who he is. This is what he's done. I've seen him through the eyes of faith. And he's given me a heart, a new heart to love him and to adore him, to seek to proclaim him wherever. A witness sees the Lord Jesus Christ as God. In all of the glory and all the deity of God. We say, because he comes.